Hi, everyone. This is Becky Hennessy, host of the Reformers Collective podcast. This episode is a conversation I had with guest speaker Drew Neal leading up to the first Reformers Collective conference held on October 18th and 19th at Trinity Church in Cedar Hill, Texas. Welcome, Drew, to Reformers Collective. Hey, thanks so much, Becky, for having me on here. Just so honor you guys, your tremendous pastors and leaders, and just so looking forward to our time together. I guess we met at um, the Reformers Roundtable almost two years ago in Florida with Bishop Hammond and Elizabeth Timefook, and uh, we kind of connected that way. And um, and then you helped me with a purchase and a sale of a building here in Cedar Hill, and then just things began to happen. And you've poured into our uh, leadership so so many amazing things. And one of the things you talked about was reformation. You talked about the need for reformation coming out of revival. And we hear a lot in the Christian world, in our worlds, about revival. But um, without something coming out of that revival, it just feels empty or without purpose. So would you talk to me and to all of us today a little bit about why reformers and what that looks like to you? Yeah, of course. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of... um, this is an, an open conversation because really we're as the body of Christ, we're discovering what these things really mean. But in, in my personal experience, um, you know, I've, I've been walking with the Holy spirit since I was a child. And, um, you know, I, I was healed of lymphoma at the age of eight, radically healed and had a tumor completely, you know, just uh, dissolve in the presence of God. I was met the Lord on my ninth birthday out of a dream, speaking in tongues and encountered the presence of God in a powerful way, the birth of desire for intercession. Um, I, we had a prophet move in with us and lived with us for, for a few months. And every morning we would get up and just practice hearing God's voice in 1989. I mean, this was like, you know, unheard of. And, and so, you know, I, I was so blessed to have the opportunity to learn how to walk with Holy Spirit at such a young age. And I was very devoted to that and committed to that. And so I've, I've been around all kinds of different types of revivals because of it, you know, because the, 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 the hunger to want to encounter a big God is, is tremendous. And I love hunger in the kingdom. And, and so, you know, I've been in every type of sweaty Jesus meeting you could ever imagine. <laughs> all the fire, <laughs> fire, and the more, like, on, I've got all, I've got all the t-shirts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and so, and I love those things. I mean, I need God to be bigger than I understand. And so for me, revival, it wasn't just about salvation. It was actually about a refreshing to the body of Christ to understand how alive unto God they actually are, right? So to revive is to re is to come back to life, right? It's to breathe again and uh, to be full of life. And so, uh, so revival is phenomenal. But one of the messages in revival was now let's take revival to the world. The mm-hmm. world needs revival. And, and for me, I actually think the church needs revival. But I think the world needs reformation. And so wow. re- revival is for me. Reformation is for the structures of the world around me. You know, structures aren't redeemed. Like structures don't get saved. People do. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's just like the idea of, you know, music isn't Christian. People are. Right. And so it's just a mechanism that amplifies the heart of the individual who's utilizing the structure to accomplish their vision or their goal or whatever they're focused on. And so we don't, we don't need, you know, the world to get saved from a structure or a system standpoint. We need the world to encounter God 
and then reform the structure so that it serves the interests of the kingdom, which to me is the dignity of value of all people um, in the world around us. And so um, and so the same skills that you need in revival are not the same skills you need in reformation. They are okay. a different set of skills. It's a different mindset. It's a different outcome that we're looking for. And so we need to begin to be opened up to really understand what is reformation? Why is it needed? And of course, then how do we go about it? So good. So reforming a city or going and you've done that a little bit or a lot, I should say, not a little bit, but a lot. God, you, you're not just teaching on it. You've actually done it. So in Detroit, tell us a little bit about what that looked like for you and your church and um, the and how did you impact and reform, bring reformation to Detroit? What did that look like practically? Yeah, so my role has been more or less to uh, to bring leadership and wisdom to the reformers. And so, uh, you know, I really um my gift is to work with leaders. And so the so there's so many projects that people are doing in Detroit that I've had the joy of helping them to initiate, catalyze, strategize, build their blueprint. You know, I'm really a kingdom architect. That's that's what I am. And so I bring solutions to really significant problems. And so it's been my joy to work at everything from literacy advocacy, um, working in housing, equitable housing solutions. Um, the Lord ended up giving me a download for um, an economic restoration blueprint uh, for urban uh, city centers. And uh, that ended up getting me to Washington, D.C. It was adopted by one of the major cabinet members of, uh, of the administration. It's been adopted now in 19 cities across America, of which Detroit was the prototype. And, and it's really been this process of, of not so much, you know, what got done. The powerful thing is who we're connected to while we're trying to get things done. And so the, you know, and so the, the dignity of value of people is very interesting because, you know, there's, there's a, in, in the world, and I'll probably speak a lot about this um, at, uh, at the event there in, in Dallas with you guys here next week, which I'm so excited about. Um, but, you know, the world wants to solve problems and they're very focused on solving problems. But from a capitalistic point of view, all you have to do is solve a problem and then sell that solution and you can make money. Yeah. And so the idea of just trying to make money off of a solution actually is a competing commitment. It's one of the blind spots of capitalism. And I'm actually a capitalist. I love capitalism, but capitalism can be used for a lot of different motivations. Right. Yeah. And sometimes it's for people. Sometimes it's against people. Wow. And so that's why we need redeemed people, kingdom people working in this free market so that when we build solutions, we're not just living in those competing commitments of trying to fill our own bank account, but actually we're understanding the human centeredness of it all. And so in the world, you know, it's thought design or design thought. And um, they say it both ways. And design thought is the method or the way that you solve a problem. Well, now there's been this conversation on human-centered design thought. And the idea is that now we need to begin to put people before the solution. Meaning, does, does before we try to come up with a solution, let's actually understand and empathize with the individual to make sure that we understand what, what their problem actually is. Let's not guess. Let's not just assume. Let's say, well, if it was in my shoes, this is what I would do. And then deliver that solution under that under that assumption, which is a limitation, especially when there's cultural differences. Right. right. And so so the it's exciting in the world. This conversation is happening of, yes, let's solve problems. Yes, let's do it from a human centeredness point of view. And this is basically where this is at is the social justice movement. Right. Social justice is the idea of we're aware of people and want to solve problems. 
But, you know, one of the challenges with the social justice movement is it's actually it's over leveraged in the sense of it is um, it's not actually including God in all of it. <laughs> and so I think we need God sourced human centered design thought. You know, we we actually need to understand God has solutions for problems and it doesn't matter how challenging the problem is. It doesn't matter if it's in poverty, if it's in literacy, if it's in you know, um, banking and, and, and mortgage and loans. It doesn't matter what scenario you want to address systemically that needs reformation. God is the solution for all of these things. But when you only know the God of revival, when you only know the God of great faith and you don't know the God of wisdom, you'll miss out on how to architect and the blueprint from that place of faith to discover and to build the solutions that are necessary so that the systems start to perform in a way that actually brings value back to the person. And this is really religion in its greatest form, right? Religion is form without power. That's what reformation does. It addresses form without power. And so in our education system, we have form without power. In our criminal justice system, we have form without power. And our churches and some of our denominations, yeah. <laughs> we've got a little bit of form without power, unfortunately. And, yeah. and we need, and this not, it's some of it's evil in some instances, especially in the world where there's no God involved. But most of it is just the idea of we built something that was serving the interest of the few 25 years ago. And we never reformed to allow the voices of who needs to be, has their needs need to be met today for them to be eligible to the benefits of the system. And so we just need to reform those systems so that it actually serves the interest. So that has form that supports the power of what's trying to be distributed out into the world. Wow. Okay. My mind, where's that mind blown emoji right now? Because you just can't, you just came against, um, the problem with social justice. We love social justice. I love social justice. I want to see justice. I am a justice person. But without the God-sourced wisdom, we fall short every time. It becomes, what you're saying is just more form, more form, more form. Without- yeah, and so what ends up happening is we amplify our ability rather than amplifying God's ability. Wow, okay. Right, so God is a God of justice. There's no one, you know, if people... There's some people who have a hard time with social justice in the kind of fundamental faith circles. And 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 the reason they have a problem with it is, I mean, there's actually a bunch of reasons and we don't need to rabbit hole in there. But ultimately, um, if they believe that God is not a God of justice, that the grievances that we're seeing inside of our brothers and sisters lives, our neighbors lives, if we don't believe that, that that's grieving God's heart, we have a problem, we have a major problem. And we cannot deny the the need while by disagreeing with a movement or disagreeing with messaging or disagreeing with whatever you disagree with. Everyone wants to disagree today. Right. Um, and uh, and what I, I, I take it as is an excuse to disengage from the challenges that are there. And we actually proliferate the an injustice that's completely ungodly, right? And so there's a need for us as believers not to be caught in a political or cultural phenomenon here because it's easy to move because the conversation is relevant. The need is significant and it is on God's heart. We can't approach it from a cultural point of view, though. We have to approach it from a wisdom point of view, a supernatural wisdom point of view. 
In Proverbs chapter three, it says God founded the earth in wisdom. And it's interesting because it doesn't say that God founded the heavens in wisdom. It says he founded the earth in wisdom. And so what that tells us is anytime we begin to create on the earth, it has to first be founded in divine wisdom. It's the way that God creates in a physical manifestation. It's how he takes things from the unseen into the seen realm. Wisdom is the breaker that allows for ideas and concepts, unmeasurable things to then become begin to be measurable in the physical world. And so we don't need more man's solutions. We don't need more of man's brilliant ideas. We don't need man's activism. We don't need man's political party, red or blue. We don't need all these you know, lower forms of governance, earthly governance as a solution. We need real divine kingdom solutions that see everyone in the world and understand that God so loved the whole world. He loved you before you behaved. He loved your neighbor before your neighbor behaved. And all he did was give it all. <laughs> All he did was give it all. And with that same abandon, we as believers must figure out how to allow the all of the kingdom to move through us into our neighborhood, into our churches, into our cities, into those we agree with, and even into those we disagree with. Opposite cultures, opposite language, different value sets. God's love for me is for me. God's favor on me is for everyone around me. Mm. And we need people who can understand wisdom is meant to build on the earth. And we need to build from God's point of view. And when we do, everybody wins. So good. And I say yes and amen. But what do we, how do we do that? We are so in an old mindset. We have so limited Holy Spirit wisdom, revelation, instruction. And um, it's obviously why, because the enemy wants us to keep from reforming uh, and recreating and redesigning the earth. But what do we do, Drew? I know you have a whole teaching. Your whole business is set on this. Um, how do people find you? How do they learn how to become solutionaries? How do we tap into that wisdom and revelation of Holy Spirit of God himself? What's a couple of things that we can do? Yeah, well, I think from a mindset point of view, and 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 thank you for just offering for ways of people to get in, in touch with me. And um, I'll hit that here in a moment. But the, the thing that we have to understand is the most courageous thing you can do right now is not confront an evil. The most courageous thing you can do right now is give yourself permission to be yourself. Because truth is a person. Truth is not an action. Truth is a person. And authenticity, humility, purity positions people to be experienced in the raw form of what God designed to be true. And when we show up as our authentic self, light confronts darkness. It's impossible for darkness not to be confronted when light shows up. And what I've seen so much is that in activism, people get way over leveraged trying to work in problems and situations and social issues that they're actually not designed to work in. Mm. And, and they're in these competing commitments because they actually don't know who they are and why they exist. They're not actually understanding. And so what ends up happening is they're trying to serve people who do know who they are. And they're trying to serve you know, situations and find purpose in that way. And, and I love the growth that's there. And I'm not saying people shouldn't be active in representing the grievances of other people. Of course, we need to do that. 
But what I'm saying is, as a primary goal, we as people should not just be opportunistic and trying to find what the market is dictating as a popular conversation to have right now, because these grievances have been there for years. The things we're talking about right now are not new problems. The changes that are needed in America are not new changes. These have been here for a long time. Um, we go in waves about which ones we talk about because maybe there's new grants and money available for this problem. And there's, there's opportunity over here because this leader finally raised their voice. And so now, okay, so we'll all run over here and talk about this thing, or we'll run over here and talk about this thing. No, we actually need solutions and solutions are going to be founded when people accept responsibility for who they are and how to position themselves as a solution. A solution is not a thing. A solution is a person. Truth is a person. Yeah. The light of God moving through you, it's a person. We don't, <laughs> we need people who look like Jesus. We don't need them to have the best argument. We don't need them to know all the data. We don't need them to have everything figured out. We don't need them to have a better political strategy. We need them to look in the face of Jesus and then go be that authentic self out in the place where darkness is trying to, you know, rule the world. And so in, the, in the meanwhile, we'll deal with the darkness while we're there being our true self. So the most courageous good. thing we can do is be ourself. So and, and that good. requires us to know who God is. When we know who God is, we can have an upgraded perspective of who we are. When we have an upgraded perspective of who we are, we can then have an upgraded perspective of who the church is or who the body is or who we are. And so we need that revelation of, of understanding how to do the, our own work. How to do the work of knowing ourselves, becoming more aware and allowing God's sourced human centered design thought to be a motivator for us so that everything starts with the kingdom that then comes into the depths of humanity that then gets me into the functional piece of solving problems. And, and so I run a mentorship program helping reformers, solutionaries, as I call them, um, to understand how to master their identity, master their purpose, find out who you are, why you exist. I then have levels in the mentorship program to get into business incubators where I help people launch platforms, launch and distribute their solution. We prototype solutions in the marketplace. I have a brilliant team uh, working here and, and, uh, and we also have you know, quite a few funding solutions as well. And so it's my joy to, uh, to serve people like who are coming to this conference yeah. who want to go and accept responsibility for a problem, but not just because they want to be busy or not, and not just because they love their neighbor. You're supposed to love your neighbor as you love yourself, actually. And so there's something powerful about loving God and then loving my neighbor to the level I love myself. If I'm not in line with who God says that I am, it will dilute my capacity to love my neighbor at the level that they're worth simply because I don't understand what I'm worth. And so there's I have to get right with God and get centered with who I am and why I exist so that then I can go serve without limitation. And solutionary what? Say it again. Solutionary mentorship.com. Awesome. Just what you're saying, I, a little story that kind of illustrates it in my own life, not to the full extent because I'm anxious to learn from you. Um, but I, I got to be a chaplain for the WNBA team, the Dallas Wings. And I felt like I had to be this amazing, powerful fire preacher. We got eight minutes to do a devotion with these uh, basketball players just minutes before their game. They're not thinking about God or, you know, their sins or revival or anything like that. They're thinking about the game. They're paid to play the game. But I thought I had to be, you know, 
TD Jakes, you know, female, like I had to just come and I was frustrated. I was overwhelmed. I was dreading it because I felt like I always fell short. And then I just had this come to Jesus moment. And, and I just told him, I cannot be what I think that they need to be. But you know what? What they needed me to be was Mama Beck with some candy and with some love and with some hugs and with some concern and, you know, texting them um, and, you know, sending them in some Instagram love. And so I ended up coming with this big bowl of candy and, you know, loving this, the security people and just being me with and not trying to be somebody that they could watch on YouTube. They can get all the messages and all the sermons and all the Bible studies somewhere else. But what they needed was, you know, just someone to love them, to see them. And as I began to do that, then they began to come into more relationship with me, be more open. I began to have more favor. You know, mm -hmm. I got to go to the playoffs and they invited me to all the team stuff and everything like that. And I never had it before. But when I became more of a servant and the, just a lover of people and seeing them for where they were, with this big bowl of candy, you know, things shifted for me. Like I quit trying to be what I thought that they wanted me to be or what they needed me to be. And I just took myself and my love, you know, into those rooms and into those spheres. And it changed my relationship with the players and with the management and with everybody. And now I'm having really great, much more influence and much more um, results, you know. So maybe is that what you're talking about? Is that like a, a story about what you're saying? Yeah, you know, all that, I think that's a brilliant story because, you know, you had, you know, the the pressure, there's pressure to perform. There's yeah. pressure to to uh, to do things according to the model or the the things that other people have done. And and what I just heard you say was Paul's, you know, letter to Timothy, you have many teachers but you have not many fathers. You know, there there are many teachers but there aren't many Beckys. You know, there there aren't many people who can actually love these people um, at a level that you're able to love them. It takes a high level of spiritual intelligence and emotional intelligence to go in and to love people in a safe way that are of high prominence, high influence, high net worth. It takes a particular skill set to do that. And then, you know, when you go in there, not have, you know, being yourself, I mean, that in and of itself is actually the most valuable thing because the, access to information. We've never had more access to information than what we do right now, but we don't have much access to connection and we, the world's starving for real connection, human interaction. That's safe. It's, you know, that's focused on the dignity of value of all people. And, and so, you know, to me, that is, you know, that's a word of wisdom, you know, that you gain there is like, what do they actually need? Do they need a, a rah, rah pep talk, you know, do something that someone else has already done that they could all get on their playlist on their, in their headphones anyways, or can I go bring them an experience that no one else could bring them, which is an authentic and pure Becky Hennessy. Right. So there's, there's only one of you and no one else can it. offer and deliver what you bring them. And so I think that's brilliant. And you brought so much freedom just to so many people right now by saying that all we have to do is be our authentic self and not be something that we think that somebody else needs or whatever. And it just breaks down walls, Drew. It just breaks down walls when when we can be breaks down walls, first of all, in myself. Right. And me and loving myself. And then it breaks down walls in my relationships with other people. And um, it's a beautiful thing. So. I'm excited about Reformers Collective. It's Monday and Tuesday, October 18th and 19th. You're going to be there for the 
Monday afternoon session, speaking in the main session, and then in a breakout session. So anybody who wants more of Drew Neal and his wisdom and strategies and uh, just to be connected, I think that those are the two things, Drew, that um, through the prophetic and through different people have said is going to happen at this collective. Number one is that they're going to see their purpose. They're going to hear the Holy Spirit and God's going to show them vision, purpose, you know, about themselves, about, you know, where they're supposed to go or what they're supposed to do or who they're supposed to connect with. And then the second thing is, is that they will find mentors and people who can speak more life into them, give them more direction. And so I'm excited for people to connect with you. So thank you so much for coming. Um, well, yeah, we'll see you next Monday and Tuesday. Come and on. It's going to be so good. I'm so excited. And, you know, I've, I've had the joy of, of just working with so many uh, different reformers that are in the mountains. They're working the tops of the mountains. And I tell you what, uh, there's so much room for we need so many more people. We actually so need good. a whole generation of Josephs and Daniels that can get in position. And we're getting the language, but we got to get in position, which is that strategy piece. And, and I really believe that people are going to get that permission, as you're saying, to understand their purpose. And as they do that, it's going to allow them to, in a healthy and authentic way, get in that position. So you guys, I can't encourage you enough to come out. I just have to say this, Jem and Becky Hennessy, you guys, you're, you're on this page right now because you're already following. So you probably already know, but if you don't know, you need to know. And if you only know through online, you don't know how amazing this couple is. And, uh, and, and, like Becky, there's just such a grace on your guys' lives because of that authenticity that you carry of that story you just shared in the midst of influence, in the midst of prominence, in the midst of having a platform, you've decided that it was about people. It's not about power. It's not about just things for you. It's about people and God moving through you for the benefit of people. You guys are the real deal. God's elevating you right now. He's promoting you right now because God trusts you. And uh, I'm honored to be a part of this event and see what the Lord wants to do through it. So you guys get to Dallas. It's going to be amazing. Fly in, grab those tickets, and uh, we'll see you there. And you're going to walk out knowing that you're not a problem. You're a solution. So good. So good. And for those of you who are watching this on YouTube, maybe after the conference is already over, I want to encourage you to go to reformersco.com. That's our website because we are continuing relationships even after the conference. This is just the beginning. This is just to meet some people. Uh, and then once this, once this uh, collective is over, we're going to stay in contact. People who care about, you know, the prison uh, criminal justice reform, they're going to stay in contact. People who care about families and uh, foster care, they're going to stay in touch and, and on and on and on. But as Drew said, there is plenty of room in these spheres of influence, whether it's government or education or the celebration, the arts, all the media, there is so much room for each one of you. And God has a place for you to be filled up and used in your, your most glorious um, amazing self. So you guys go to reformersco.com, come to the conference if you can and um, stay in touch. You guys stay in touch because we really do want to see God's wisdom flow through us into a broken world with solutions from heaven, right? Thy kingdom come, your will be done in the earth, even as it is in heaven. And we get to do that. So thank you again, Drew. And we'll see you on Monday. Come on, looking forward to it. Can't wait to be there. Thanks for having me on today. All right. God bless you.